Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. Once more unto the breach, dear friends, once more, or close the wall up with our Liverpool dead. In peace there's nothing so becomes a man as modest stillness and humility, but when the blast of war blows in our ears, then imitate the action of the tiger. Stiffen the sinews, summon up the blood, disguise fair nature with hard-favoured rage. Then lend the eye a terrible aspect. Let pry through the portage of the head like the brass cannon. Let the brow overwhelm it as fearfully as doth a gold rock overhang and jutty his confounded base, swelled with the wild and wasteful ocean. Now set the teeth and stretch the nostril wide, hold hard the breath and bend up every spirit to his full height, and you, Good yeoman, whose limbs were made in Liverpool, show us here the metal of your pasture. Let us swear that you are worth your breeding, which I doubt not. For there is none of you so mean and base that hath not noble luster in your eyes. I see you stand like greyhounds in the slips, straining upon the start. The game's afoot. Follow your spirit, and upon this charge cry, God for Jürgen, Liverpool, and Sir Kenny. Welcome to Cop On, The Road to Madrid, Part 2, you sparkling, whirling Catherine wheel. Those opening lines were slightly doctored from the bards Henry V. Do check it out, one of his greatest. You can follow on Twitter, at Cop On Pod... Uh, follow us on Twitter, even, at Cop On Podcast. You can send us some hate mail or some, you know, phishing scams to coponpodcast at gmail.com. Or for a measly one US dollar a month, you can support us via patreon.com forward slash cop on podcast my name's owen and without any further freddy here is a conversation i had with mazd in new york shane in la and jamie in la to preview saturday night's humdinger the champions league final can't wait so thank you so much to mazd to Jamie and to Shane for joining me on this. And where can we start, gentlemen? Where can we start but Felch Aid on a red and white cop, the fantastic Liverpool FC forum? He he did a brilliant post a little while ago in and about the, the, the Champions League final between Tottenham Hotspur and Liverpool. He said you can't ignore the form. We've lost three matches since January 2019, City and Wolves away, and of course Barcelona away. Spurs have lost 12. Ought to be confident. Now, he of course missed out the pronoun there. We 
ought to be confident. And uh, my first question is for you, uh, Majd. Um, not just whether, you know, we can do it, but whether we will do it. You know, how confident are you? And, uh, you know, especially compared to last year as well, how does this one feel to you? Oh, it's completely different from last year. Last year was was a bonus. What it was a a feeling of being happy to be there, being the plucky underdogs. We were playing the Real Madrid, the two-time champion already, and we were gonna face them. We were the underdogs. We weren't ready for that stage yet, in my opinion. And you can tell we were a little nervous during that game. But this time it's completely different. We're going in, like. Like uh, Felsch said it perfectly, you cannot ignore the form. We we had an incredible season. We played really well. We got 97 points, and we got back-to-back Champions League into back-to-back finals. That counts for something. Right now, we're not the underdogs. I'm very confident in this team. They've shown so many times that they're capable of handling the pressure and that they're a brilliant team. And frankly, we're just better than Spurs. And, yeah, I'm very confident we're going to win this and bring home number six. Well, that's lovely to hear. Lovely to hear. Shane, what about you? How confident are you? Are you confident? I'm about 65 to 70% confident that we will do it. Going into it, I guess, after the uh, the week when we beat Barcelona, I was going to say 100% just because I was just high off so much confidence uh, and elation. But... Now that I've come down a little bit from that and I've been looking at uh, Spurs and everything and then our history under Klopp and Poch of their head-to-head matchups, right now the percentage I feel comfortable giving is around 70%. That's still very confident. Uh, I believe Liverpool will definitely, definitely win the game. But you have to give Tottenham a sizable chance given their history with us. Um, the fact that it's two English clubs, whenever two English clubs go head-to-head in Europe, something else just comes out of them. People play above their levels, or you know, sometimes people actually drop their levels if, uh, if they get rattled. Um, but yeah, I think Spurs deserve a little bit more of a chance than uh, we as Liverpool fans are willing to give them. Oh, that's a very, very interesting answer, Shane. And yes, there's a lot of data there that you mentioned that I'd love to talk about a bit later on this episode. But for now, um, Jamie... Uh, Shane says he's about uh, 65, 70% uh, sure of victory. How how confident are you? Um, I'll see his 70 and raise it to about 85. Um, I mean, we're a, better, we're a better football team than Spurs. We have better footballers. We have a better drilled team. We've lost three games in a year. We have the best front three in Europe. We have the best centre-back in Europe. So, ultimately... I think that not that any game is easy and our games are normally tight and edgy. I just think we have all the classes in the world we need to beat Tottenham. Strong answer, Jamie. I wish I could share your confidence. I mean, I, I find my mood... Well, sometimes I do. I don't know. My mood fluctuates like like the price of soybeans. Uh, but, uh, you know, unlike our chairman... John Henry, I don't quite have an algorithm to deal with it, and I wish I did. I wish I could just remain as confident as you uh, as you guys seem to be, but, uh, you know, it's 11 versus 11. We never know. 
I don't know. But uh, let's talk about the final a bit later. Uh, let's go back to our road to Madrid. Now, where we left the last episode was our our brilliantly strong performance away at the Allianz Arena against the mighty Bayern Munich, where, you know, we acted like a, like an incredible Hulk, you know, with a, with a sore thumb who's raging and bounding through the countryside, tearing up trees, and Bayern Munich were like some wild daisy that we crushed under our muscly green foot. So that brought us into the quarterfinals, and I was delighted personally to be drawn with Porto, who I think were the weakest team uh, left at that stage. The first leg took place on the 9th of April 2019, and the history books will tell you that Liverpool won 2-0, thanks to goals from Cato in the fifth minute and Firmino in the 26th minute. 2-0 2-0 at Anfield, it seems routine, but it was anything but, in my opinion. Musa Marega particularly had a good game, but he was wasteful in front of goal, uh, missing two clear-cut chances, one of them thanks to a brilliant save by Alison Becker and Porto. They're now winless in 19 trips to England. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Liverpool 2, Porto nil. I'm going to go to you, uh, Majd, on this one first. Um, what do you remember about this game? I remember being very confident because the one thing that Jurgen Klopp did is make changes during that game. He put Lovren in and he put Keita in to ma- and he he trusted him, the team to make some changes and to still be able to win because, frankly, we were a better team than Porto. Even if they improved from last year, we improved drastically. We had a 25-point jump. So I was very confident that we were going to beat them, and we did that fairly comfortably. Yes, we gave them a few chances, but that's probably because the personnel changed and Lovren was in there and he had a few hiccups. But overall, we were the better team, and we even could have scored more in that first game, and maybe we should have, but 2-0 was a decent result to take. Well, that's a very nice summary, Maz. Thank you very much. Yeah, I was like you. I was very confident coming into it, extremely happy with the result. Uh, what about you, Shane? What do you, what do you make of this one? Liverpool 2, Porto 0. Yes, I thought this was a dangerous draw for us, and I think Klopp acknowledged that in all of the the press conference material. Um, He said uh, there was a quote uh, that the only team uh, that wanted uh, to draw Liverpool out of the whole quarterfinal draw was Porto, uh, just to have another shot at us uh, from last year. I also recognize that it was a dangerous draw uh, because in the manner in which we won last season, uh, kind of that emphatic Mas, I believe Sadio Mane had a hat trick in one of the in, uh, in one of the games as well. We just a uh, five nothing result at the end. I mean, it seemed to be uh, a banana peel, if you will, uh, for the knockout stage for us because we could slack off or just not be on our p's and q's, and Porto could very well uh, shock and surprise us. And it is funny now looking back on it. That, uh, that all of us were like, ah, oh, I really do want Ajax, and then, and then they go on to knock out Juventus. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, we were fortunate to get Porto. Um, so I think, uh, I, think that, I, think Klopp, uh, I think Klopp won the whole tie for us before, before a kick was even made, just because he managed our mentality as a club. 
with the players, with the staff, and with the fans through and through. I agree with what Maj said in the uh, in his previous summary. We should have scored more in that first match. Keita had a 9.1 match rating on who, according to WhoScored.com. He won the man of the match. This was uh, just during his awakening, uh, the, that week period where after he scored the Southampton equalizer, that header, uh, when we were down, uh, initially 1-0. One, uh, one uh, so, yeah, so... Kata had been scoring goals two games in a row, two goals in two games. We were all very excited. He scored it right off the bat. As a team, we had 64% uh, possession with plenty of shots. A standout performer for me of the game was actually Bobby Firmino. Uh, he had 74% pass accuracy with 27 passes, and he had an amazing 49 touches. He was involved in that false nine role, linking up play through and through. So, yeah. That's my. That's what I remember. Thanks for that, Shane. That's an absolutely brilliant answer. Uh, you know, thanks for bringing the stats into it. Very interesting stuff there, and also uh, Bobby Firmino's performance. I, I I thoroughly agree. I mean, it was another Bobby masterclass, wasn't it? Wonderful stuff. Um, I've been using Sofa Score for my research for today, and they've got this really interesting. Uh, graph that shows you, you know, the attacking moments and how much danger there was at any moment in the match. And, uh, you know, it shows on this graph that Liverpool created most of the danger and deserved to win. But there were, there were, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, about seven really dangerous moments for Porto, which is very interesting. I mean, Musa Morega, who I mentioned before, he had five chances in total. And, uh, you know, on another day, it could have been a different result. Uh, what did you make of it, Jamie? It's funny, actually, when I when I first thought of this game, I was like, yeah, you know, European home game, 2-0, routine. And then you take yourself back to when that game was and the context around it. and it was much more open than I think my memory allowed me. I mean, first of all, it was the game when Andy Robertson was missing. Um, obviously, with the most reliable human being in the world, James Milner, behind him, or, or looking after that left-back spot for him, it was fine. Um, and also, yeah, it was when Naby got that early goal. I think it's one of the, the happiest I've been for a player to to get those two goals in a week and for him really to feel like he belonged in our team and to keep progressing with the side. I mean, that was a really happy, like a really great feeling for, for me and I'm sure lots of fans. And then I remember it being open. I mean, there was Morega chances. There were decent from the set pieces as well. So it was actually a pretty, a pretty nervous game. And then the other thing worth remembering is the context because we had Chelsea as our next game. And you know, it's last year or when we were in the Champions League, this was everything. And I remember as well having that little bit of nervousness about us after European games, these midweek games and how that might affect the league performance. But obviously we went and steamrolled Chelsea, so no problems there. Yes, no problems, no problems indeed. And on, on a side note, I can't wait to see Chelsea next season without Azar to see how uh, how badly they do without him. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun, I think. But let's stick with the road to Madrid here on Cop on Podcast because uh, that uh, first leg lovely result brought us into the second leg away at the Estadio de Dragao on the 17th of April 2019. Liverpool won this match four goals to one. Um, you know, uh, this was... 
probably the most relaxed I've been uh, this season uh, in a game. I don't know how you feel about it, Shane. Um, we won 4-1. Mane, Salah, Firmino and Van Dijk all scored for us. Eder Militao got a, got a consolation on 69 minutes. And even the official uh, UEFA Champions League website uh, says that Liverpool ease through 6-1 on aggregate. This was, you know, if the Barcelona match or the Everton Divock Origi winner or the Newcastle match recently, they were like, you know, neurotic, bite your nails down to the bleeding quick. This was much better, wasn't it, Shane? This was nice, nice to watch. Is that, I mean, would you agree? Yes, I was enjoying it. It was, as you said, kind of in this period where we as a fan base, I mean, it had been after, obviously, that Bayern leg and when we were starting to go on this run of winning every single league game, I started to go into all the matches, including this one, with just supreme confidence and ease uh, that lasted all the way until probably the last two or three weeks of the season uh, when things were getting down to the nitty-gritty. But, yeah, there's this overpurveying sense of, of uh, confidence that we can get the job done no matter what, especially since we handled the first leg. Um, this game, uh, I, I love a game when our front three score, when Mane, Mo, and Bobby, all three of them get on a score sheet. I, I love it even more than, let's say, a Mane hat trick or a Mo hat trick or a Bobby hat trick. It just, it just really feels like it brings in our whole attack together. And then plus on top of that, Virgil van Dijk got a goal, which... Again, it just just adds and boosts confidence. Uh, according to WhoScored.com, Mane had a match rating of 9.1, which earned him the man of the match. What was surprising to me statistically, um, and I'm happy that you brought up SofaScore, Owen. Thank you so much for doing that. Um, the phrase that stood out to me that you used was dangerous, period. It honestly felt like to me that this game was more or less kind of a majority of it was a dangerous period for Liverpool but then I was looking at the statistics and it showed that actually Porto had the majority of possession, 51 to 49%, or I guess you could say that's more uh, even Stevens. So I was interested to see uh, if anyone else uh, found it surprisingly more even statistically. Um, but uh, two stats that really stood out for me, uh, especially with Mane, is that he had six winning tackles, which is always wonderful whenever he's able to track back from the forward position and get involved on defense. And it would make sense that he was getting in. Uh, oh, wait. Was Robinson back for this one? Oh, interesting, interesting. I might have forgotten a note about formation. Um, but yeah, um, at first I thought Milner was back at left back, but I believe Robinson was actually back in that position by the second leg. But it just shows that Mane was able to track back on the left side and, and win tackles and help out there to transition to attack. And then Mo had an excellent uh, passing day. He had 26 passes, that 80% of which were fully accurate. So, yeah, it would just seemed like we were clicking all through the gears uh, in an away match. Yes, that's a very good summary. Um, yes, Robertson was back for this match, but then uh, James Milner played in front of him in midfield. And then uh, they did that thing where Robertson... Uh, goes and, and attacks and Milner drops back uh, in defence is such an effective tactic for us uh, and it was it was lovely uh, wasn't it Jamie it was a really nice one to watch what did you make of this one? I'm with you Owen it was weird going into a Champions League quarter final and it being so stress-free and easy I mean they had that weird tactic or maybe not a tactic but you know they had all these Long shots fairly early on, I remember, which didn't really do anything for them. Um, and then 
after that kind of petered out, it was just us. We're better than them. I mean, obviously better than them, but we controlled the game. We got our goals. We we didn't really make it look like a contest at any stage. I guess kind of interesting is it was a game in which uh, Joe Gomez got half an hour, which you know might be something that you know getting those minutes under his belt now. I mean, I don't logically think he'll displace Matip for the for the final, but he came on for Trent, so maybe that's where. You know, part of the process which could see Gomez starting the Champions League final. Um, although again, I'm not entirely sure he will. And also, Big Divi got half an hour, half a game even. And obviously, we saw how well those minutes served him playing against Barcelona. So, uh, you know, if you're looking at the substitutes and the amount of minutes they got, I guess it shows how stress-free the whole experience was. Yes, you're absolutely right there, Jamie. It's a brilliant point. Those 30 minutes would have really helped Divock, allowing him to be the tormentor of Barcelona, allowing Divock to break Messi. We'll come on to talk about that. But, uh, you know, Musa Mariga again for Porto. He stood out again. Five shots, three on target. You could say that he plays like a Liverpool player, but he finishes like an Everton player, uh, but uh, personally, I, w- I would I wouldn't mind signing him as long as we could squeeze the Everton out of him. If we could squeeze the Everton out of him, we we could have an absolutely superb player. I mean, obviously, I was pure speculation. Anyway, back to the road to Madrid that set up the semi final. Uh, draw the semi-final tie we were drawn against Barcelona with the first leg away on the first of May. It was my Beyond my expectations, I could say, to get to the semi-final of the Champions League. I was so thrilled to be there, so thrilled to be playing a great team like Barcelona. Um, and of course, we got, you know, this, the score says we got hammered 3-0. Uh, going back to Sofa score and their excellent graph of, you know, attacking action that they that they have. Do check them out. It's absolutely brilliant. Uh, so their, their graph had Barcelona uh, in attacking dangerous situations about 25% of the time. And then Liverpool being uh, in attacking dangerous situations about 50% of the time. And then the remaining 25%, I mean, nothing was really happening in that match. So the stats, all manner of stats, say that we should have done a lot better in that match. We were very, very unlucky. Uh, And, of course, that free kick... <clears throat> which you might not know, the listeners might not know, and uh, you guys might not know, but that free kick by Messi was deflected off Gomez's shoulder, which is uh, quite extraordinary, really. Um, so, yes, I was deflated after that goal, absolutely. I could barely speak. I could barely put together uh, my end-of-match a review for the Liverpool Echo, the Blood Red podcast thing I do for them. Um, I I said, you know, that was spirit sapping like an alcoholic dementor. Majd, how were you after that match? Where did you watch it? I watched it at home. I was I had a flurry of exams actually during that time, but I managed to watch it, and I was devastated after it. Because the performance was great. We had some amazing performances like Fabinho, like Henderson, like Mo, like Mane. They all played really well. And Rabo, for example. 
and we got away with nothing. We had nothing to show for it. It was such a cruel game, and the feeling afterwards is is really devastating because at that point, you really felt like our season was over, and I really felt bad for the players more than anything because all their efforts throughout this whole season, it would have been really cruel not to be rewarded with a trophy or something because City at that point were winning every game and they really didn't have any problems. with. They won against Spurs and United back-to-back, so their most difficult games were already over and it just felt like the season was about to be over after that whistle went and it was just devastating because we had some tremendous performances like you said and yeah just just heartbreaking during that first leg heartbreaking is an excellent word for it is Jamie uh, how were you after this match and you know did you honestly think that we could do it and what did you make of it in general Barcelona 3 Liverpool 0 to be honest Klopp asked us to t- change from doubters to believers, but when uh, when Salah missed his chance, I think I was more of a more than a doubter. I, you know, that was it. If we got an away goal, you know, I could have talked myself round, but three nil, just too much. Impossible. Yeah, absolutely impossible to beat Barcelona. You know, so shows why I should not be doing a podcast. Um, as for the game itself, the I had the unique experience, actually. Shane will back me up about Los Angeles traffic. And I ended up listening to the first 25 minutes on the official Liverpool FC radio stream, where the lead commentator is John Aldridge. And if you ever want to hear a man sound like a seven-year-old who's found where his mom hides all the candy, that is John Aldridge. I mean, he is so excited to be there. It's fantastic. So check it out. Um, as of the game itself, we were we were brilliant. I mean, we really were brilliant. It was so unfair. It was like, you know, one of those things where you can't even explain to people who, who may have missed the game or whatever. You just sound like a typical partisan fan. We killed them. For big parts of the game, we absolutely killed them. And to lose 3-0, and to think that might just be it for this season and for this team, and, oh, what a way to go out and everything. I mean, we played so well that game. That was my main takeout was, how has this happened? Because we are a great team and there is no way that this was a 3-0. This 3-0 was a reflection of, of the game and there it was. And, you know, it felt like this could be it for us, which was devastating. Yes, devastating, another good word. Devastating, and I love what you said about John Aldridge there, but yes, devastating it was, wasn't it, Shane? And heartbreak, you know, these are, these are the kind of words we're going to use to describe it. Yes. Heartbreak indeed. Um, I had to, uh, I felt like an alcoholic dementor drowning myself in butterbeer after that match. So I completely agree with you on that analogy. It was uh, frustrating, absolutely frustrating. And I will back Jamie up to the, to the Los Angeles traffic, uh, especially in the middle of the afternoon, whenever the Champions League matches are going on. It's quite hectic. But yeah, that, that Liverpool commentary always comes in handy uh, on the road. Um, all that to say, though, none of that made none of that made this game any better. Um, one, I, I I do agree with you. What was interesting to me uh, after the fact was the disagreement on Messi's rating across 
across different statistical websites. So, for example, you mentioned on SofaScore, I believe, he had a rating of 9.3. The Who scored had him at a perfect 10. And then other sites even had him at an 8.7. So I did seem like uh, some sites thought he was more plucky, as you could say, than others. Um, yeah, I really do think um, those two ricochets really help out Messi with those two goals. The one that then gets to his chest that falls right to his feet and then also right off Joe Gomez's, you know, the, that clavicle area uh, collarbone where uh, to, to uh, curve past Allison's hand to get into the goal. Um, really, I would have to say the only goal that I was super impressed by was, was you know, obviously with Suarez's uh, uh, first goal. I thought that was well-deserved. That didn't seem like any luck was involved there. They just seemed to outplay us in that moment. But that was kind of, I wouldn't say the only, but only, but in a kind of a small handful of moments where I felt like we were outplayed. I felt like, I mean, we had 52% of the possession. We did have major- the majority of the shots at 15, but only four of which were on target, and we did create more chances uh, as a team than they did. So it just, it, it was it was very frustrating. I mean, my mouth was agape. I felt like a deer in the headlights, uh, you know, looking down the proverbial barrel of a gun for our whole season. Um, yeah, and then, and, and to go into it knowing that Genie is up front made me nervous uh, for the formation and kind of see that all play out. Um, yeah, I just, I was kind of more in shock I believed, I, w- I said, well, there's still kind of hope, but I was really in shock and kind of in disbelief uh, at that point of my grief for the season. Yeah, that's a good point. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, but playing Genie up front, well, sort of in the, you know, in a withdrawal number nine role, um, it made perfect sense. And, you know, the the stats and the, the way that Liverpool actually played so well, despite the scoreline, I think it really vindicated Jurgen Klopp's decision because Wijnaldum is, a, is, you know, very good at pressing. He's very good at winning the ball back. He doesn't let uh, any opposition player... Um, you know, rest, take their time on the ball. He's he, he's all over people, and uh, you know it, it made perfect sense that he could be withdrawn to to try and you know pressurize Busquets and the and the uh, you know aging uh, PK and, and and things like that. But especially Busquets to try and deal with him. I thought I thought it was a brilliant move by Klopp, but three uh, nil says otherwise. Messi, that was uh, that free kick that deflected free kick was his 600th Barcelona goal and you've got to say I mean he's been absolutely superb his whole career what a player and uh, you know they, they're actually they actually set a Champions League record in that match by being 32 matches unbeaten at home wow so uh, you know but one player you know speaking about stats and ratings one player who was universally you know, there's no difference between your stat sites here. He was universally regarded as crud. Was Philippe Coutinho, who got 6.6 on Sofa Score, for example. He played 60 minutes of the match at the New Camp. Uh, you know, 75% accurate passing, which again is poor. And, you know, just to put in context, um, you know, an average Man City player who are, you know, brilliant at passing, they they would average sort of 86% and Liverpool player 84%, especially for midfielders, 75% only. He had one cross at the new Camp, um, you know, one long ball, which was didn't find its target. He had one shot, which was off target. Uh, two attempted dribbles, none of them successful. He was generally shite. 
Right. So in the next match, he was he was there again. He got six point three. He did even worse. But uh, you know, well, I'm not going to talk about Philip Coutinho. I'm going to talk about Divock and Genie and four nil and one of the best nights Anfield has ever seen. Uh, Jamie, please tell me you weren't stuck in traffic for this one. <laughs> no, 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 no. I got to see this in all its glory, and oh man, I don't think I can put it in words even yet. I mean, I don't know how you guys did the podcast straight away after the game but it was just incredible I mean and it wasn't even that you know we needed four goals in the first half and, and hung on or or anything like that I mean it was just this force that like a wave that that built and then by the time it became three they were you know that may have been the moment even though it wasn't Divock who scored but you know if Divock ended Lionel Messi I think it was Wijnaldum's second goal and there was this inevitability then and it's funny it, stopped being nerve-wracking it more just felt like are we going to get this goal before extra time or during extra time but what a, i mean the other thing you have to remember Owen, is shane and i this is the middle of our day i had to go back and pretend to work for the next four hours um you know and pretend to be a professional <laughs> human being you, you guys could go out and, and have some drinks and celebrate in europe whereas i had to sit in an office for four hours while all the unimportant <laughs> things of my day-to-day life were rolling around around me, okay. um, oh man, what a game! What what like this, this is it, right? This is why we're Liverpool fans. This is why anyone loves sport. This is why we're so passionate about these guys. Is that the payoff, the high that we get from something like that? It, it's indescribable. It can't be rivaled. And I just, I fucking love every single one of them. Sorry, I don't know if we're allowed to swear. But, you know. Big... Oh, you fucking say what, say, say what the bollocks you like, Jamie. It's fine. Uh, big, big Divi and all of the rest of them. I mean, if we, if we win this weekend, they'll of course go down as heroes and deservedly so. But just everyone involved in that 4-0 game just showed the, like, the fucking menta- mentality monsters that Klopp wants them to be. And I fucking love them for it. Yes, if there's one game that justifies swearing, it's it's this game. Um, because, I don't know, I mean, I teach English, I've mentioned that before on Cop On Podcast, and, you know, in the English language, I've thought of it, thought of it a lot. We've got, we've got these things called intensifiers, which, of course, you know. Things like very, you know, it was very good. It was really good. But even more than that, it was fucking good. It was fucking good, wasn't it, Shane? Fuck yes, it was good. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Um, this was my first podcast actually here at Kapan, uh after this game. And uh, going back and listening to it, uh, I was just an emotional wreck. It was, it was such a crazy game. Um, one thing that I keep returning to uh, when thinking about this, and this is just as a fan experience, this isn't any of my analysis, um, so as a Liverpool fan, I was born in 1992. I became a Liverpool fan in the 1999-2000 uh, season just because as a child I was such a big fan of uh, Michael Owen and uh, the fact that he was a teenager doing what he was doing. I was amazed that someone who was just a few years, you know, a handful of years older than myself was so amazing. Um, and as an American growing up uh, in my house, it was harder to follow Liverpool in terms of watching the games. Uh, I did not have that same sort of privilege until later on in my life uh, as I do now. But uh, I remember growing up and then uh, the family that moved in down the street who were Liverpool fans who would watch the games, who I'd later go on to see, 
I had missed that 2005 Istanbul Champions League final, and they later on showed it to me on a recording uh, later that week. Uh, so in a way, I had been kind of looking for, I had kind of realized that I had missed out on a, a, a certain type of experience, something that you can, like a collector's item as a Liverpool fan for one of those truly magical nights. And yes, I did watch the semifinal, uh, the Europa semifinal, where we overcame the 3 nothing deficit with uh, Dayon Lovren's header from Milner for that cross. Uh, but this felt like, as a fan, I, had, I finally have it. I have that one miracle night moment that I watched as a fan and experienced in the collective fan base. And it brought me to tears inside uh, Jockster Daily's here, here in Los Angeles. It brought everybody to tears. Um, it was just an incredible game. Uh, I will forever call it. I don't know if the rest of media, writers, document, documentary makers, or anybody else will ever call it the miracle at Anfield, but I will forever call it the miracle at Anfield. Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't know what else to say. No, that's absolutely brilliant. That's a brilliant story. Exactly. I love that sort of personal connection to Liverpool FC that, uh, you know, that we all that we all have in our own way. You know, it's unique. Every story has is has uh, every fan has their own story. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, Maz, what's, uh, you know, the story of this match, Liverpool for Barcelona nil. Um, what, you know, <laughs> go wherever you like with it. Talk to us. It was one of the best nights that I've ever experienced as a Liverpool fan. Because I, just like Shane said, I also missed the Istanbul night because I was just a child and I didn't have access to TV that that day that showed the Champions League final. So I missed out on that live experience. And I got it that night at Anfield and it was amazing. It was one of the best nights ever. Because before the game started, there was very little chance for us because we... Salah was out, Firmino was out, we had we were 3-0 down and we needed to keep a clean sheet and we needed to score four goals and everything just conspired in the most beautifully amazing way and it was just one of the best nights ever and the one thing that I'm going to say is I thought Barca played really well in the first half, they handled themselves really well even though we scored early, they played well, they created a lot of chances and Allison. What a brilliant keeper he is. He kept us in it. He helped us keep the clean sheet. He made a ton of saves in the first half. And then in the second half, came a, Genie Wijnaldum came on and did his best Steven Gerrard impression. My God, what a cameo from the man. I was not expecting him to come on and score two in two minutes. It was, I mean, it was amazing that... The the similarities to Istanbul are crazy because we scored in the 54th minute and in the 56th minute in both games. It's just amazing. And I, I can't describe how great that night was. And when that fourth goal went in, when Rigi scored that goal from the corner, oh my word. I was genuinely in shock. I was I was actually watching it in a, in sort of a public library and I was screaming. And people were just like looking at me and wondering what the hell I was doing. <laughs> you were, that's that's really funny. What at the top of your voice? Yes, yes, I could not believe it. I started running <laughs> around when that corner went in. <laughs> that's brilliant. That's so funny. Did they did they chuck you out or what? No, they just kept looking at me funny and then told me to keep quiet, you know, because everybody was studying. 
for their finals <laughs> and stuff. And I was just there watching the game. What a brilliant, oh. brilliant night. Oh, that's absolutely superb. Yeah, I love that one. Um, it's, uh, yeah, because some people don't like football. This is the hardest thing that we can possibly try and understand in life especially as Liverpool fans when we get nights like this, is that some people don't even like it. Uh, you know, this game, this 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 poetic, beautiful game uh, that we love so much. And, uh, you know, that's a wonderful story, Maz. Um, yes. Uh, so that, of course, that 4-0 victory. Um, you know, I think the person on the UEFA Champions League website was also in a bit of shock because they, you know, they've given us some lovely facts for all of the other games in our road to Madrid. For, for this one, it's just like, yeah, Liverpool get to the final. Uh, it's a famous comeback and uh, Origi scored two and Vijnaldum scored two. It's almost like you can feel the person who typed that confusion uh, at that result. It's absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, so, okay, uh, so that brings us to Madrid, to Tottenham. And this is the the next part of this episode. I, I, you know, we're going to have a nice long chat about this. And uh, where are we going to start, uh, you know, anywhere apart from uh, Kenny Dalglish and Kenny Dalglish uh, and his brilliant Anfield rap interview that you've, you've got to hear. It's absolutely superb. Johnny Gibbons and um, Josh Sexton interviewing the King Kenny. Kenny said, you don't get something because you deserve it. You get something because you earn it. That's what he said on the Anfield rap. He basically, he's saying we shouldn't be arrogant and assume anything has been won yet, you know. Uh, this is going to be a tough match. Spurs, they know how to play. You know, their fans, they're going to bring their fans as well, you know. I mean, you know, obviously... Probably you would hope that more Liverpool fans uh, manage to get into the stadium than Spurs fans, but you never know, you know, you never know. So their fans are being good voice. So Kenny says we shouldn't be arrogant and assume anything. On the other hand, I was speaking to my friend Charles, who was a bit tipsy last night. He'd had a couple. He was a bit squiffy. And uh, he's only a vague football fan. But I, uh, And he was like, yeah, Liverpool are in the final. Who are you playing again? And I said, Tottenham. And he went, Tottenham? And he sort of, you know, air-humped. He started, you know making love if you want to be want to be you know polite to the air and he was like ah oh, you will fuck them you will fuck them and i was like well okay so we got kenny dalglish's attitude and charles attitude and i got to say i've got to be a bit um i don't know i'm a little bit between the two because uh, there are times when i agree with charles we're going to win uh, you know 6-0 and then there are other times where i think you know we could easily lose this match and that that terrifies me uh, absolutely but uh, no I'm not going to I'm not going to give those thoughts much credence we're going in as favourites for the first time but my first question to you about this final guys um, and uh, I'm going to start with you Majd okay um, is the narrative the script the way that this team this brilliant team Jürgen's Rocket Reds will be remembered it all hinges on one match now if we win number six they will be legends they will be heroes uh, remembered forever as bringing home that great sixth and you know d-rock will be you know there but they'll start building statues of d-rock i'm sure if we lose 
what's going to happen? I mean, 97 points and runners-up in the Champions League. That's just going to be, oh, it's going to be so gutting. But, it's, but the, the thing is, I don't, I don't know if it's fair, is it, Madge, that so much of this team's reputation and these players' reputation depends on just one game. It might not be fair, but I think you might be right that unless they make it to another final next year, their reputation might be on the line here. <laughs> but I honestly, I'm not really, I'm not really thinking about the possibility of losing because I just have so much faith in this team. And one thing that really uh, gives me some peace of mind is that if you look at the past seven or eight years in the Champions League, almost every time in the final, the favorites won it. There have been no surprises. The last surprise was Chelsea beating Bayern Munich in twenty third in twenty twelve, and that was on penalties. So they barely even uh, won that game. So I'm 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 really confident. History is on our side, and one thing that we're not considering is that this is Spurs' first ever final. This group of players have never made it to a final or anything resembling a final. So we have the experience. We are the better team. We're better in every single position. I don't. None of the Spurs players get into our team, and I genuinely believe that. So we have the better players all over the place, and just that's just how it's gonna go. The better team will win, and they will be remembered as legends, like you say, because this season has been one of the best seasons in Liverpool's history, and it needs to be crowned with a number six with big old ears. That's a very nice answer. That's a very, very good answer. Um, yeah, Jamie, I mean, I had a look back at our at our two fixtures. The first one, you know, our two fixtures against Spurs in the Premier League this season. The first one was at Wembley. Uh, Spurs won Liverpool 2. Um, I mean, it was, it, was a, it was a game that we dominated, really. Uh, we had the better chances. It started the match really brightly. James Milner was was uh, on the right-hand side, putting in some dangerous balls. Firmino, Manny were dangerous. Tottenham were making errors. And uh, that's the kind of Tottenham that I want to show up in Madrid, is that kind of Tottenham. Because there are different shades of Tottenham, aren't they? Uh, that first match, we, we, we ended up with 17 shots with 10 on target. Tottenham only had three shots on target in the whole match. Um, do you remember it, Jamie, this one? This Spurs 1, Liverpool 2 at Wembley? I believe it was the 15th of September, long time ago. I do remember it, yeah. It was a, it was a nice day in Wembley. Um, funny these these two games against Tottenham I think are a real like obviously because because of playing Tottenham but they are for a real insight I think into into this final because looking at the whole thing over the two games we for three halves we absolutely killed them and for what which was you know this game and the first half of of the home game and then the second half was obviously much more difficult and but there's little little moments of danger that we need to be aware of and prepared for. I mean, in this game, Lucas Moura, I remember he had a great, well maybe not a great game, but some really great moments. Um, should have scored or could have scored. Um, he he made Gomez look very foolish at one moment. So you know we have to remember that Spurs are dangerous. And then um, the other slightly dangerous thing about Spurs is Pochettino is a very clever man and. 
very astute tactician. And that game at Anfield, he showed in the second half that he can change things and he, you know, he can disrupt the rhythm of a game and get his team back into it. So we're better than Tottenham. I agree with Majd. I don't think we have there's any Tottenham player who I'd really want to see in our first eleven. Um, but I think that we're, you know, we have to be wary that they are still dangerous. Um, as for this game, I remember it being like a lot of recent Tottenham games. You know, a tough game. They're a decent team, but we really showed ourselves to be better than them. And hopefully, that's uh, that's the real portent for the final to come. Yes, hopefully indeed, hopefully indeed. Um, uh, that Lucas chance that you, you referred to, yes, he did make Gomez, you know, for the listeners who don't remember, I, I didn't remember until I watched it back, yeah. Um, yeah, he, he sort of drew, well, Gomez followed him uh, to Liverpool's right and Spurs' left. Um, he followed him all the way almost to the touchline and then Lucas, you know, skinned him very easily uh, and then just ran towards the goal um, you know, uh, he, he dribbled. He dribbled past Gomez with ease. He got towards the goal and he had a low shot that hit the the near post and went out. It was a very low shot along the ground, and it was like woof at that score. At that point, the score was one nil to Liverpool, so that could have tied things up and changed the entire match. And uh, these kind of things make me a bit scared, especially seeing how how well Lucas did in the in the Champions League. But we can deal with him, I hope. Uh, um, you know, the next match was Liverpool two, Spurs one. It was a, that was a um, that was, I mean, a very memorable match. I mean, the the winning goal, especially of course Salah from the corner, and then uh, Loris slapped the ball against Elderweireld's shin, and it ricocheted into the goal. Mass hysteria at Anfield for this match, Shane. Um, the return match at Anfield. It was a lot more difficult, wasn't it? Though I don't, I don't know if you remember. Sissoko was one on one with Allison, and you know he, he shot the ball like a pre-Elon Musk space rocket because it just went into the atmosphere. Sorry, outside of the Earth's atmosphere into space and never came back. But uh, you know that could have been so different as well because there was a big period when Spurs were on top, and this is the Tottenham that I hope. Don't turn up in in Madrid because I thought they were, they were they were canny they were they were strong and they were dangerous you know at times. Do you remember that one, the Anfield two one? Yes, I do remember that uh, game, the two to one. I absolutely agree with you. This is the Tottenham I do not want to show up. This is the Tottenham that, as collectively as a team, uh, play above their level. Uh, they can play on the counter, uh, but even though. It, we were so almost evenly uh, stalemated uh, in uh, it, such in a stalemate with possession. They had 51%, so I believe they edged us. Uh, but yeah, I believe they're going to want an open game. They're going to want to create chances like they did in this game. Uh, and uh, I, I noted that they had really, really um, like agile individual play with, uh, with Mora and Sun. Um, so yeah, I let's see, what else did I have down? You know, 14 uh, to 11 shots. Uh, three of which of ours were on target, two of which uh, for them. Um, yeah, it was just such a nervy, competitive game. Um, and I think this was also during the period uh, where there was a lot hanging because I, uh, uh, Mo Salah was at the end of his gold, his last sort of little dry spell for the season before he's kicked on to the period we are in now. 
Um, and yeah, it was looking like it was a one-one draw. We were going to lose points to City, and that we were going to hand them the title uh, outright. Um, but then, you know, through sheer luck, through sheer balance, the footballing gods, whoever whoever you want to give credit to, or just Mo Salah's inventiveness, uh, we were able to put enough pressure on them to get them to crack. And I believe that's probably the same route we're going to have to go. I I'm hesitant to say, but I'm I'm surely kind of fairly confident that this is the kind of game we're going to see uh, come June 1st next week, uh, for better or for worse. For better or for worse, yeah, I mean, okay, I mean, you know, I don't know, it's going to be, it's going to be very bad for my nerves if it's like that, but, Maz, you know, I've got a question about this one, because their equalising goal, well, our first goal first was, was quite simple, um, you know, we pressed them high, Loris kicked the ball long, we won that header, Henderson, the ball dropped to Henderson, played a crossfield pass to Andy Robbo on the left, who swung in another inch perfect Andy Robbo special right onto Bobby Firmino's head, headed it down into the goal, exactly as coaches tell you to head of the ball, 1-0 to Liverpool. But the, the equaliser I want to talk about, Maj, um, it came from Harry Kane taking a quick free kick. It's quite a memorable goal. And Hendo started shouting at the referee forgiving the free kick instead of standing in front of the ball to stop Kane taking it quickly now there's a level of shithousery I call this good shithousery now good shithousery is that you know you're not injuring people you're not Sergio fucking Ramos you're 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 it's good shithousery you're stopping the play you're interrupting them you're stopping them from getting momentum and that's something that i think we should use in the final is all of the shithousery in the book my question to you maj and forgive me it's a little vulgar are we shithouse enough ah tough question in general i don't think we are i think we're too nice and i think Jurgen likes us to be too nice. But I think Fabinho and Milner are really good at being shithouses. And Robbo. So those three guys are really the leading shithouses in our team. And they're really the ones that can get stuck in and can be a little nasty and do a little time-wasting. And, you know, like Robbo. (laughs) We all saw the video of Robbo just pushing, shoving Messi aside. <laughs> Beautiful. So stuff like that. And Fabinho, for example, he he always pretends that he never fouled anybody in his entire life. Whenever he makes a foul, commits a foul, so he's <laughs> great at it. And Milner just Milner. I mean, we all remember the first Champions League game of the season against Neymar. He just put him aside, you know, put him in a coffin and aside. So yeah, we those three guys are really the guys that are gonna be responsible for this. And if we remember, Fabinho wasn't playing at that time. And if Fabinho plays, I think we'll be better at it. But yeah, Hendo, Hendo is too nice sometimes, and and he he likes to get <laughs> to get at the ref all the time. So that's also a good thing. We need to, we need Hendo to do that. But sometimes I'm sure he's gonna learn from that and be aware of that. But shed, being a shit house in general is, is is important in football because look at Trent, Trent with that corner that amazing corner that got us into the final that was a brilliant piece of you know whatever you call it shithousery trickery genius so it's going to be needed we're not great at it but some of the guys are really good at it we have 
that's good. That's a really nice answer. That makes me feel feel better as well about uh, about the state of the shithousery. Uh, but uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I forgot about that about uh, Fabinho um, not being in the starting lineup there because uh, uh, I want to talk about our lineups uh, if that's okay um, because. You know, I think this is for the first time in a while. We, see if you disagree with me, OK? I I would say Klopp will pick, and I would probably pick the same team, um, Alisson in goal, Trent, Matip, VVD and Robbo at the back, a midfield three of Fabinho holding with Vijnaldum and Hendo playing the eights, and then up front, Salah, Bobby Firmino, and Mane, um, would would you disagree with me, Matt? I'm going to stay with you on the midfield: Genie, Fabinho, Hendo, or putting Matip alongside VVD. Is there is there any real discussion there to have? Maybe I won't disagree with you at all. I love that lineup. Maybe you could argue we could put Millie in for Genie because if you remember uh, in the Barca game after the game, Genie said. Uh, that he was really angry with the manager, that he left them out. So maybe we need angry Genie for this game. But no, I, I have no problem with Genie starting. That's that's a really good lineup. But I think Jurgen might disagree because if we look at the evidence, Jurgen sometimes is a little conservative or he sometimes likes to tinker a little bit. So, for example, he started Gomez instead of Trent and against Man United, against City at home, against Barcelona away. So that's three big games. He also didn't start Fabinho in any of the big games except for Man United at home. And he left him out of the Barca game and the Spurs game. So maybe Jurgen has some other ideas, but I would love to see that lineup that you mentioned. And I hope Jurgen goes with it. I hope he trusts those guys because they've shown that they're really good and they're capable and they're up for it. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, he did go conservative with uh, Gomez instead of Trent. Yeah, and and uh, looking at Spurs' uh, potential lineup as well, they they're likely to have Danny Rose and Lucas Moura down the left. Um, you know, sometimes isolated, isolating our right back. So. I don't know, uh, what, but I would still play Trent because he's awesome. Uh, Jamie, would you would you dis- disagree with any of that team? So you're playing Matip in defence and a midfield three of Fabinho, Vinaldum and Hendo? Uh, disagree, no. But I think there's a pretty strong chance that Milner starts. Um, I think that would be the one change, would be the, the Milner for Genie. Um, you know, he offers a bit more cover to the fullback possibly and also he has been called upon by Klopp for so many big games I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him get called up for the final. Uh, I'm like a broken record though today because for once in our you know in our recent history we're actually having this conversation from a position of strength I mean which which guy who's had a, a great year for us what what midfielder would you like to play that position I mean it's not like us having Lalana on the bench to come on against Madrid. This is a choice of an eight between two players who have lots of you know great attributes. So I'll be happy with whoever starts. Um, and then yeah, the thing about Trent. Ah, oh, I really, really hope he does start. I think he adds so much to our game and that kind of attack from width that him and Robbo are bringing is just so important to what we do. 
but there's part of me that thinks that Gomez might get a look in, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see. We will indeed have to wait and see, but uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting call, Milner or Genie. Um, yeah, would you? What team would you play? Would it be the same one, uh, uh, Shane? Yes, I would definitely play the same team. Um, looking at that Spurs lineup, yeah, I'd say that's their strongest lineup. Um, it looks it looks strong. I would say our best lineup would. I I believe is with Fabinho now. I do agree with Jamie that uh, Milner would be a strong uh, choice to start the game to kind of solidify things and keep things steady and then maybe bring Genie on at halftime or a little bit after halftime. I could definitely see that working out. Um, But personally for me, I'd really like to see uh, a strong, uh, that full guns blazing right off the bat trying to get a goal in the first 20 seconds uh, sort of attack to try to overwhelm and really, really, uh, really get Tottenham to try to crack under the pressure that we can provide. Uh, and I think Fabinho, with the way that he can place the ball and his tackles and how he can win the ball in their third and then keep the pressure on, I definitely believe he would be uh, the, re- the way to go if we were to go that highly aggressive route. Yeah, excellent stuff. Yeah, I mean, Spurs is likely lineup, but likely, I mean, this is one that uh, Mickey Hazard, the former Tottenham player, said in the really good Cop Table podcast I heard the other day, which is, uh, you know, it was really, really good. Uh, you should check that out. Look at it. Look up the Cop Table, uh, and uh, yeah, he was said uh, probably uh, it's looking like it would be Loris in goal. Uh, with Trippier, Elderweireld, Vertonghen and Rose in defence. And then in midfield, he's got a choice, but he's likely to go with uh, Sissoko, Eriksen and Deli Alli. And then Moira may be on the left, but the attackers, three attackers, Moira, Son and Kane. Um, it's quite dangerous, isn't it? I mean, do what do you fear? Do you, I mean, you said already we're better than the matched. We're better than... I agree, we are better than... But still, do you fear anyone from this Spurs side? I mean, I'm not sure about how, how I feel about it. I mean, I'm a little bit... I've got, I've got the willies, if you don't mind the expression. It has to be Lucas and Son, because they're the downgrades from Salah and Mane. And if you ask anybody who plays Liverpool, who are you <laughs> worried about? They're going to be worried about Salah and Mane. So we should be worried about San and Kane, uh, San and uh, Lucas because they're the most dangerous players. That's just how it is. Kane, I'm not really too worried about Kane because I think Virgil can handle him. So it's just going to be these two guys and trying to cut the supplies to them. And thankfully, their, their fullbacks are near as good as ours. So... And that gives us an advantage when we attack with our fullbacks. So those are the only two that I really fear. Ericsson and Ali, I think they're good players, but I don't fear them. Well, Deli Ali for me has been has been off form, Jamie. I mean, he's 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 a typical overrated English player. Now I hate that, but saying that because that that's almost like I'm tempting fate. But he hasn't been that good this season. I think uh, you know compared to a couple of years ago, where he really was he really was superb a couple of years ago. But that was two seasons ago now. Um, do you fear anybody, Jamie? And you know how do you feel about Delhi Ali? Um, you know I don't fear Delhi that much. As a you can tell from my accent, my my great my thick Irish brogue, very thick. Very thick. Um, but I've seen Christian Eriksen break hearts before when he when he dumped Ireland out of the the playoff for the last World Cup. 
So he's a big game player who can produce moments of brilliance. Um, I'm not, I think it's good for us in lots of ways that Harry Kane is part of the conversation of whether or not he'll start because in some ways it's a distraction. I mean, look, he's a great finisher. He's a very good striker. He'll, you know, give us a very tough game if he does start, but also he's not sharp. He's not fresh. He hasn't played football in a long time. And in some ways, the Tottenham lineup makes more sense without him. And if he's adding a little doubt to Pochettino's mind or taking his focus away from how to combat the best front three in Europe, then maybe that will help us. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, Shane, the Spurs, I mean, he's a very good tactician, or Pochettino, and uh, I don't know... Sissoko, I mean, are you wor- who are you worried about? Are you worried about anybody, Shane? Yes, I'm really actually uh, worried about Hugo Lloris. Um, he, uh, he's a good keeper. He's a World Cup winner. Yes, he doesn't have as many clean sheets this season as Allison, um, but I think part of that has to do, or a lot of it has to do with uh, how uh, Tottenham's defense can, can capitulate uh, creative chances or offensive chances to the other team. But his uh, save success ratings, uh, his uh, or percentages, and his saves per match, I mean, he's a really, really, really good shot stopper. He's tall. He's long. He'll, he'll let Jordan Pickford know how tall and long he is all, <laughs> any day, I, I believe, if I remember uh, correctly from that World Cup dig uh, last summer. But, yeah, honestly, if he's on his game and uh, we're struggling a little bit to be clinical in the final third, which I knock on wood, I pray that we're not. Um, but I could, I, I'm really worried about him having a standout game. It's a, it's a good point. It's a good point. And I actually did a little bit of a, a comparison between Allison and Loris. Um, I was looking at just in the Premier League. Yeah, you mentioned his save success. Loris is at 75.37% uh, save success. But Alison Becker um, had the highest in the league at 77.55. So... There's not much in it, but, uh, you know, Alisson is, you know, his percentage is better. Saves per match, Hugo Lloris is at 3.06, whereas Alisson is at 2. But as you say, Shane, that's more indicative of how Tottenham give up more chances. Um, You know, Lloris made far more saves. He made 101 saves to Alisson's 76, which averaged out as 3.06 saves per match, as I've just said. Uh, But, uh, yeah, um, he also saved a couple of penalties, Lloris. But, uh, yeah, he's a World Cup winner, as you say. He's got... He's got experience. He knows how to win finals. He also knows how to lose finals. He was the good, he was the keeper in the European Championships when uh, uh, France lost to Portugal, of course. Uh, and uh, but I think he's lost. He's lost zero point two five. Um, you know, seconds of his of his of his reactions and his agility. Uh, personally, uh, so I just hope uh, to heck. That uh, he doesn't quite, um, you know, play play as well as he could. I don't know, uh, but yeah, it should be a, a fascinating matchup. As will presumably Fabinho against the the marauding Sissoko, the French guy. 
Um, have you seen much of him, uh, Majd Sissoko? Because I think he's 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 like really strong and he sort of runs in straight lines, and uh, he's almost like Jonah Lomu, def- the rugby player. You know, defenders just hang off him; they can't they can't get the ball off him. Yeah, he's a he's a really good player. He's their player of the season, apparently. So you can tell he made huge strides in his development. And yeah, he's he's definitely someone to worry about because he can drive from midfield. He really just people bounce off him because of how strong he is. So we we really have to be Fabinho is gonna have to be on him, and I think Fabinho can do it because Fabinho is really good at nicking the ball off people, however strong they are. So that's going to be a key battle for sure because their midfield is it's such a weird midfield because there really isn't one defensive player in there. Like Sissoko is more of a box-to-box guy, but you won't say that Ali or Erickson or even Harry Winks are defensive-minded players. So their midfield is a weakness that we should exploit. And Sissoko is the only guy who can really drive and move the ball forward with him and dribble past people so it's going to be a fascinating battle but I'm I think Fabinho can can deal with him it will be fascinating and I like your confidence because yeah Spurs they're going to be scared of us um Spurs will be will be uh, you know looking at our potential lineup and and uh, for me the key to our performance is uh Trent and Robbo you know our fullbacks if they play well I don't think Spurs have got a chance in this match, but they have been stopped before, and uh, you know it could happen again. But uh, for me, they—I think they'll be scared of Trent and Robbo. Of course, they'll be—they'll be terrified of our front three, uh, won't they, Jamie? I mean, these are the ones they'll be looking at us, and they'll be scared of us as well, won't they? Yeah, I mean, imagine being Trippier, who's had probably one of the worst seasons of his life. And thinking that he's gonna have what Trippier plays or will be playing as Sadio Mane, and thinking right, my afternoon is gonna be Sadio Mane coming inside me and Robertson going around me, and not being scared. And you know, I think someone might correct me. Um, the last time Spurs were in a cup final was 12 years ago. They they don't have any. Well, they have so few players with this big game experience. This this is all gonna be new to them. And that means that any anxiety that they have is just going to be amplified by the arena that they're in. And equally, any of their defenders having to come up against Salah, one of the best players in the world. Um, Bobby, one of the most intelligent strikers in Europe. And as you said, the, the, the dangers we have coming from out wide, you know, that's, that's terrifying. And then look the other way and you're an attacker. And if you do manage to get through Matipa and Van Dijk, you still have to get the ball past Allison. I mean, our team is ridiculous and scary and all the better for it. I love that. Yeah, our team is ridiculous. That's it. I mean, where do you start when you're going to sit down and meditate on the brilliance of the Rocket Reds? You start at the back. Allison, world class. Van Dyke, I mean, poof. Ooh. Trent, ooh. Andy, woo. I'm getting very excited here, Shane, very excited. Uh, To go back to what Jamie said uh, about uh, the last time um, Spurs won anything, they won the League Cup in 2008. Uh, They haven't won the FA Cup since 1991 or the English League since 1961. Uh, They won the UEFA Cup, 
which is now the Europa League, of course, in 1984. But they're going to be quaking in their boots. They're going to be tremulous, aren't they, Shane? Yes, they're going to be quaking in their boots. They're going to be shivering like a leaf. Uh, I would I would definitely be scared of Salah, Bobby, Mane, uh, especially especially after this period of rest. Uh, this I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I heard this is the longest break between the end of the season and um, and the uh, and the cup final being uh, June first. I've also heard it's the first competitive match that Liverpool will ever be playing in June as a club ever. Because uh, most of the time, uh, if it happens in June, it's preseason or July. So I thought that was interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, I feel like that amount of time will all come to play in a factor um, because we will be uh, rested. We will be relaxed, more relaxed than they will. Uh, and I think just based on how we perform and how everything happens, I think there might be this little this little thing in their head that's telling them that we got the mojo on them, that, you know, we've got the upper hand, that the big brother is always going to win no matter what. So that's what I'm hoping for. That would be beautiful. That would be beautiful. Mast, have you prepared what you're doing? I mean, as we're talking, uh, you know, on the on the 25th uh, of May. So, I mean, do you know what you're doing next week, next Saturday? Yeah, I'm going uh, I'm going to uh, a bar and downtown so it's gonna be fun <laughs> and i'm hopefully gonna be very drunk by the end of it and celebrating like a <laughs> well, good idea <laughs> i wanted to mention something that we didn't mention which is the narrative from last year when salah went off injured and the thing that happened last year during the final i think some heads dropped during that final some people stood up and didn't let their heads drop, like Mane, like Rabo, like Trent. But some people's heads dropped. And I think what we did this year, what we showed this year, is that we learned from that experience. And we got better, we got stronger, we got mentally so much stronger. And Salah's going to be hungry to to redeem himself. To really, to, Because he was robbed of, of finishing that game last year. So he's going to be hungry for that. And... One thing I remembered when I was talking about the the previous finals in the, in the last few years, one thing I remember in 2012 when Bayern made it to the final and then Robin missed that penalty against Chelsea in extra time. And then the following year, he played Jurgen's Dortmund and he scored the winning goal. So there's a, there's a similarity there where we make it to back-to-back finals and there's a really good redemption story for Salah there to... To make it his. Yes, you're you're a hundred percent right, and you're right to to mention it. Yes, um, Salah, you know, yeah, you're right. He'll be he'll be hungrier to to win this match than surely any other in his career. Um, but uh, that can go. I mean, it's a difficult thing mentally. Um, I noticed something uh, from Paris Saint Germain. Uh, <sighs> spoke to a couple of people there after the Old Trafford game and they thought, yeah, you know, we've won. And I said to all of them, like, what do you mean you've won? It's half time. It's a cliche, but it's only after the first match. They won the first match at Old Trafford 2-0. No team in history had ever come back. And then, of course, they lost at Parc des Princes 3-1 and got eliminated. And they said to me, you know, after the first leg that, you know, it's okay. Yeah, we've you know we've uh, you know we we've learned our lesson 
from the remontada that uh, you know that Barcelona did against PSG, when of course Neymar scored in the ninety whatever minute, and they won six one, which was f- freaky, <laughs> absolutely freaky as a match. But um, you know, and then I noticed that Valverde as well. After the first match, when Barcelona won three nil, and the journalist asked him, "Have you, have you uh, done it? You know, I mean, is this it? I mean, have you, are you already through?" And Valverde said, "Yeah, no. Well, of course, it's not done yet, but uh, but we've learned our lesson from Roma last year, because of course Roma did a massive comeback against Barca last year. So my point is that." I don't think anyone can go into this match thinking that we've learned anything from last year that's going to have an impact on this match because it's just another match. You know, that's what I'm saying. I think that's the right attitude is that, you know, it comes in. I mean, it's 0-0. Zero, zero, it's nil-nil. Tottenham have a chance of winning it. We have a chance of winning it. We're favourites. Maybe we've got slightly more of, of a chance. But that means nothing when you're on the pitch and the players have got to do it. As Kenny said, that I mentioned a while ago, we don't win things because we deserve it. And Mo Salah, he 100% deserves it. But we have to earn it. So I, I hope you're right, Majd. And, and Salah is, uh, you know, he's 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 hungry but he's going to take that hunger and transform it into earning it, into, you know, the desire on the pitch. And I can't wait. I just can't wait. Well, what are you going to do, going to do Jamie? Where are you going to be? Are you going to a bar and, uh, you know, getting drunk like Mejd? Um, I think that is the, the order of the day. Isn't it? So I think that, I mean, last year, after, after the game itself was so much fun and it's such a, you know, a nice thing being, you know, as you're an expat in France, having this community around you, right, which you can you can join in with, you can walk into a bar, you can know no one, and at the same time, you feel like you know everyone because you're all there for this common goal. Um, so yeah, I think I'll be in a bar. I'll be surrounded people, surrounded by people who share this love of Liverpool, and uh, and I just can't wait. Although my local bar here is a Spurs bar, so I might not be going to that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, Shane, uh, have you have you got plans? Yes, I do have plans. I'm going to the uh, Liverpool Supporters Club over on the west side of town. Um, uh, Jockster Dailies. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. I'm gonna fully dress up for it. Uh, gonna go all out. Uh, gonna wear the Luchador mask. Gonna <laughs> wear a cape, uh, which I fashioned out of a Liverpool flag. And yeah, it's going to be a spectacular time. Oh man, that sounds tremendous. A luchador, lucha libre, Mexican wrestling mask for those of you who are not familiar with the lingo. Um, Yeah, absolutely beautiful. I saw it, you posted it on Twitter. Do check out Shane's Twitter um, at Shane Weichel, W-E-I-K-E-L. Um... Yeah, I mean, I can't wait. It's going to be brilliant. But as I said earlier, this we're recording this episode on the 25th of May, which is the 14th anniversary of that incredible Wednesday night in Istanbul. Um, I was living in Bristol at the time and I... And I left work early and I I had planned a long time in advance and I booked the next day off. So I knew I was I was in it 
um, you know, to win it. And I got to the pub at 5 p.m. And um, I started drinking quickly and time was moving slowly. And I was there and I watched the pub fill up more and more fans, more and more fans. I had the table right in front of the TV. By the end of the match, I remember the comeback. I remember not watching the penalties because I was too terrified. But then I, I have a blank. And I'm sure it was one of the best nights of my life, but I've got no idea. I have zero idea of what I did. So this time, I'm so lucky because I'm taking a bus to Madrid. I'm not going to have a ticket, but I'm going to be in Madrid. And I'm, I'm thrilled to be in that family that Jamie mentioned. I don't, you know, I, I don't really know any of the fans going over. Hopefully, maybe Fergus from Copon, I'll meet up with him. But uh, we're just going to go over there and have a have a marvellous time. But I'm not going to drink this time because I want to remember it unless we lose, in which case I'm going to get a bottle of whiskey and go and, you know, sit in, a, in an alley somewhere and you know, dry, dry my tears on, on uh, you know, my, my Liverpool flag. But, I, you know, let's not think about that. Number six, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come. But where, where were you for number five? I mean, Maz, you said you just came out of exams. You're, you're younger than I am. Do you remember where you were in 2005, Maz? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't watching the game because I was really young and I didn't have any access to Champions League matches at that point so i had to watch a a replay a year later unfortunately so i have no recollection of the live memories unfortunately because i was really young and yeah i was just with my parents and didn't have any phones or anything to communicate with my other friends from school <laughs> the dark ages yeah yeah it was depressing <laughs> to not be part of it well, hopefully you'll be part of this this uh, this magical thing we we're about to experience. Hopefully, um, you know, Jamie, where were you, Istanbul? I think I was about sixteen or seventeen. It was a school night, so I watched it at home. And um, I had another friend who lived kind of near me, who's also a Liverpool fan. So we were texting during the game, and um, I think the halfway point between our two parents' house was this uh, like old church kind of thing. And we were delirious. We both, like, after the penalty shootout, ran out of our house. And then, you know, you just don't know how to, like, process or even digest any of the emotions. I think we just ran in circles around the church screaming for about half an hour until people eventually thought we were insane and probably started calling the police or something. Um, but, yeah, it was, <laughs> oh, it was mad. It was absolutely mad. <laughs> That's a brilliant image. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, yes, I hope it was high-pitched scree- uh, squealing and then people thought, you know, I don't know, maybe the church grounds were haunted. Uh, but yeah, no, that's absolutely wonderful. Uh, yes, gosh, we've got so much to look forward to. Um, I want to say thank you, gentlemen, for, for, for uh, you know, for joining me today. I mean, there's, uh, you know, with uh, without wanting to swear anymore, I did see a flag and it said... Uh, up the F, star, 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 G, Reds. Um, thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you so very much, Just, uh... 
So there we are, there we have it. Thank you so much for joining us on Cop On Podcast. Again, you can follow us on Twitter at Cop On Podcast. You can send us your hate to carponpodcast at gmail.com. Um, you know, or support us on patreon.com forward slash Cop on podcast. Um, I'm taking a bus personally, taking a bus to Madrid. I don't have a ticket, but I'm going to be there just to be there for the party. And my word, my steed is ready. And, uh, you know, let the battle commence.